as today is sign-up day for small groups. Can we give it up for Pastor Matt? He's such a blessing, and he's coming with the Word of God this morning. Good morning, everybody. Hey, I'm so excited to be able to share with you uh, today. I'm so excited that today is Life Group Sign Up Sunday. And uh, man, I know it's a little chilly, but it's still, man, we've been blessed with this weather outside today. I've loved our series better together, and we still have a few t-shirts left if you want to grab one. And I loved something that Pastor Jeff said last week. He said that community isn't found, it's formed. He says community isn't discovered, it's developed. It's something that we have to do and, and work at. And so he said small groups are a place to connect, protect, and to grow. And so what I want to do today in the message, I want to give maybe some tips when it comes to sharing life with other people. After the message today, I'll invite you to come forward and we'll have our small group leaders out at our tables over here. You'll get a chance to talk with them, see what maybe works for your schedule, what you're interested in, what you can make happen because we know we're better together. And so today in the message, I want to give you, like I said, some tips, some advice, the keys when it comes to unlocking life change in your life. Because how many people know when you're in relationship with other people, sometimes it can get messy. Sometimes there can be a little friction. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Let me give you the first kind of big note, the first fill-in if it's in your bulletin here as you came in today. Tough love is needed for us to overcome our blind spots. Tough love is needed for us to overcome our blind spots. And you see it in there, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, really famous verse, especially if you've been to a wedding, probably heard it read before. Ecclesiastes 4 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, which sounds good right now, right? If you're married and you're in the car, I guess. <laughs> but how could one keep warm alone? Uh, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Two are better than one. We're better together. And we all have blind spots. In your uh, bulletin, you'll see there's something called the Johari window, a little picture in there, kind of an insight into human psychology. And actually, when I first started here, one of the first messages that I heard Pastor Jeff preach, he referred to this, and it's always stuck with me. The Johari window, it's kind of a way that we understand ourselves, the way we see ourselves. You see the four different quadrants in there. The first one is the known quadrant or the arena. It's what everyone knows and sees. It's what I know, and it's what you know. I love Star Wars. I know it, and you know it, right? It's just what we all know about about you. Then there's the hidden quadrant or the facade, right? Things that you know about yourself that nobody else knows. It's like your alter ego, who you are when no one else is looking. And then, of course, there's your blind spot, what you may not know about yourself, but what other people may see or recognize in your life. And that's what we need in our life, somebody to be able to call us on the carpet, someone who maybe sees our potential and can pull it out of us, right? So that's our blind spot. And then, of course, there's also the unknown quadrant, things that I may not know about myself and other people may not know. And what I'd say quickly about this is that's what's so valuable about a relationship with God. 
God, the one who created me and formed me, who knows my potential, who has created me with purpose, is the one that can help me in this area, the unknown quadrant. And that's why a relationship with God is so important. But I want to talk about this blind spot quadrant uh, kind of today that we need to be in community. And a relationship with God is what helps us in the unknown quadrant, but being in community is what helps us in this blind spot quadrant. Tough love is needed for us to overcome blind spots. Tough love. I say tough love because, you know, sometimes it's a relational risk, right? To tell a brother or sister in Christ, say, hey, this is, I've noticed this in your life, or here's what I'm hearing from you right now. Let me, let me speak some life to you right now. It can be a little tough. And I say tough love to overcome blind spots in my life. I have personal blind spots that I can't see that maybe some of you will be able to speak to in my life, but also blind spots in someone else's life. In order for me to speak into someone else's life, it takes that tough love. And this is so important. Many of you maybe have heard of C.S. Lewis. He uh, is the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, probably his most famous work, famous Christian author and apologist. He was once an atheist and became Christian. And he said this is actually why he continued to come to church. He, didn't, he wasn't a big fan of church music. He didn't really even love the preaching that much. He said he didn't even love people that much. Maybe you're here like, I'm not a people person. Well, C.S. Lewis didn't really think he was a people person either, but he stayed in church. Why? Because he said if he didn't, he would fall into something that he called solitary consent. When we're alone, uh, we're, we're more likely to just kind of give permission. We're not going to grow. We may say yes to sin. It's so important to be in relationship because we're better together. I want to give you an illustration that will help kind of talk, uh, illustrate what we're talking about today. How many people love Rita's? I know it's a little cold today, but Rita's where you get Italian ice, custard. I love Rita's, and I usually get the gelato. It's the Italian ice and custard put together. I love them both in there. So I have discovered the secret, though, when it comes to ordering a gelato. You know, they're supposed to put custard on the bottom, then ice, and then some custard on top. But they always put way too much ice. I mean, I like ice and everything. I like the Italian ice, but it's like too much and like all the sugar. I definitely like the custard. And so the secret is when you order it, you just have a big smile on your face and you say, hey, is there any chance you can put a little extra custard on the bottom? And they always say, oh yeah, no problem. They'll hook you up. And uh, then it's the right mixture. I always get the vanilla custard and then mango ice. That's kind of my go-to. But anyway, Uh, I've noticed that they usually lean in one direction or the other. They usually lean and give you too much ice. But when I ask for a little extra, I get that perfect combination. Now, hold on to that because I want to read a verse for us and we'll come back to it. You see in your uh, bulletin, John chapter 1, verse 14, John, the apostle John, was best friends with Jesus. He knew him really well and he wrote the gospel of John. He believed that Jesus was important, that he was the son of God. He wanted you to know. And here's what he says. He's telling us about Jesus. He says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, which is amazing that God is with us. His presence is with us, that it's not just a phrase we say to each other, that God actually came to us in the flesh. Man, knowing that God didn't just walk in our shoes, but he carried our cross. We're so thankful for the incarnation of Jesus that he, he, God is actually with us. Hebrews says that he sympathizes with us. He knows what it's like to walk in our shoes. But John goes on and he says, he talks more about who Jesus is. He says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. 
Talk about a definition of tough love. Grace means that I will love you no matter what. And truth means that I'll be honest with you no matter what. Grace means I will love you no matter what. And truth means I'll be honest with you no matter what. Jesus loves you. He'll love you no matter what, but he'll be honest with you no matter what. Grace without truth, all grace and no truth, that's not Jesus. And truth without grace is not Jesus. It's actually the right combination of both of those things. Like I just said with Rita's, right? That usually we lean one way or the other, but we need to have the right mixture, the right combination Jesus will love you no matter what, and he'll be honest with you no matter what. And so this would be your next kind of fill-in. Grace giving plus truth telling equals tough love. Grace giving plus truth telling equals tough love. We need both of those things. It's not one or the other. I want to give you an example. I want to tell you a story about my life And there are two different responses, people in my life who responded to this story. You tell me which one was more loving. When I was a kid, I was eight or 10 years old. We lived next to the church. And in the summertime, we would do outdoor services. We had a big tent. So I'd go outside and play. You know, I'm right next to the church and stuff. And I I didn't really care what was out there. I'd be swinging around on stuff, whatever. So my parents told me, Matt, you got to stop. You're going to break something, all right? You're going to break the tent. You're going to bend the pole. And you're going to be in trouble. You can't do that. you got to stop. So what do I? I don't care, right? So I'm still playing around outside. And finally, that's what happens. I bend the pole. It's all misshapen now. It's totally my fault. I knew it was me. I disobeyed my parents. I was in trouble. I was scared. That's the story. Now, here are the two different responses. Which one was more loving? First, my dad's response My dad says, all right, Matt, this is your fault. You disobeyed me. You're in trouble. You're going to pay for this. You're going to pay for this from your own money. You know what? You're going to personally apologize to the pastor. You're going to help him put a new pole in there. You need to understand the consequences of your actions. That was my dad's response. Now, here's my pastor's response. We go to my pastor's. uh, I go to apologize to the pastor. I'm in his office. I've never even been in his office before. I'm sitting in the chair. I'm scared. You know, my dad's like, you're going to apologize. You're going to own up to this. I don't even have money. I don't know how he expects me to pay for this. But so I'm sitting in the chair, and I'm like, uh, Pastor Joe, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it was my fault. I, I, I didn't listen to my parents, and I can pay for a new one, and blah, blah, blah. And the whole time I'm telling him this, he's got this huge grin on his face. And when I'm done, he says, Matt, it's okay. Now, which response was more loving, my dad or my pastor? It probably depends on if you lean more towards a grace giver or a truth teller. If you're more of a grace giver, you're like, oh, the pastor, come on, he forgave him and he was a kid and he's just learning. It's okay. But if you're more of a truth teller, you're like, no, you got to grow up. You got to learn real life isn't like that, right? And so actually they were both equally loving responses. They're both an example of truth telling and grace giving that right combination that gives us tough love, that helps us to grow. We need people who are grace givers and truth tellers to speak into our life. 
let me just say this. When it comes to small groups, and again, we'll sign up in just a couple minutes here, but when it comes to small groups, that may mean you may be in relationship with people who think differently than you. There may be people who will vote differently than you this November, and that's okay. Allowing people to speak truth into your life and to give you grace means we need to be in relationship with people who are different than us, and that's okay. In fact, maybe it's even better because we're better together. And so it takes wisdom and maturity to know how to give and receive tough love. It takes wisdom and maturity to know the difference. And so this is your next fill-in for you. How do I give and receive tough love? How do I give and receive tough love? We're talking about being in a community, being in relationships. Sometimes when we rub shoulders with each other, how do I give tough love? But also, how do I receive it? And so here's the first one. Know thyself. (laughs) Know thyself. Know yourself. Know your tendency. Because most of the time we lean in one direction or the other. If tough love is grace giving and truth telling, you probably lean in one direction or the other. How many of you here, you can honk your horn or flash your lights. You're more of a grace giver. You're like the pastor in the store. Yeah, come on, just let him go if that's you. Or how many of you are here, you're a truth teller and said, yeah, oh, you have to learn. I I just say it like it is. You know, you can quote scripture, maybe whatever. We usually lean in one way, uh, one direction or the other. And you've got to know, hey, which one am I? If you don't know which one you lean towards, are you more of a grace giver or a truth teller? Just ask your friends. They'll be able to tell you. They'll know. They'll be able to tell you. In fact, tomorrow night, young adults will be starting our small group. Maybe that'd be kind of funny way to do it. I don't know where you're at, young adults, uh, Tara or Kaylee. I say around, we can go in a circle. What do you think Tara is? I don't know, <laughs> right? Or if you've got kids, we just did our baby dedication. Uh, if you've got kids, your kids probably know which one you are. Uh, they know which parent to go to if they want a little extra allowance, they spent a little more this month, and, you know, come on, you know, I really wanted this. And they also know which parent to go to if they really need some legit advice, like no beating around the bush. You know, hey, mom, dad, I I need to know, what do I do in this situation? And so which one do you lean towards? For me, I think I probably lean a little more towards grace giving. I think it's easier for me to look at somebody, see potential, say, hey, why don't we give them a shot, try to encourage them. And it's a little harder for me to kind of call someone out on it. I'd I'd rather just kind of say, well, maybe they'll learn if we give them another shot. I I won't say anything. You know, we'll forgive them. I'm sure it's okay. And so I have to try a little harder to be a truth teller. It depends which, which way do you lean. But I say, know thyself, know yourself, know your tendency because you don't want to use your personality as a crutch. You know, there's so many different personality tests. Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Right now, the Enneagram is huge. Uh, Like, what number are you? I haven't taken it. People tell me I'm a number one. I think I would be a number one. Yeah, we talked about that, Tara. Yeah, I think I am, but I haven't taken it because some people to me are like, Matt, Oh my gosh, you have to take the Enneagram test. It tells you everything about like everybody. And I'm like, you know what? Just back up. You're making me feel weird. And that's the whole point. Personality tests are a tool, but that's what we can do sometimes. We can box ourselves in or we can box other people in. Oh, well, they're just like a number seven. So they're always going to, that's just who they, that's just what they do. Well, you know what? I'm just more of an introvert. I, you know, small groups, relationship, that's not really my thing. But we don't want to use our personality as a crutch. That's not what they're designed for. Here's a good example in the Bible. 
Timothy was a young pastor and he was mentored by Paul the Apostle. And you've probably heard this verse before, First Timothy, or I'm sorry, Second Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or of fear, but one of power and love and self-discipline. If Timothy took the Myers-Briggs, he probably would score as an introvert. He probably was a little more timid, a little more afraid. And Paul was calling something out in him. Maybe it was like Timothy's blind spot. He saw the potential in Timothy. And he said, don't use your personality as a crutch. God has more for you than what maybe you feel that God has for you. Timothy, church tradition tells us that he died at 80 years old trying to stop a pagan parade. That to me doesn't sound timid. That to me doesn't sound fearful. It sounds like Timothy knew himself. He knew if he was introvert or extrovert, but then he didn't use his personality as a crutch because he understood that God had more for him, that we're better together. And it's the same thing for you and for me. Maybe that's a good question for you today. Is there a piece of your personality that you have used as a crutch? Have you said, well, I'm an introvert. Well, I'm not a people person, so I don't, I don't, need, I don't need small groups. Well, that's not really for me. Have you said, well, I'm more of a truth teller. You know, I just say it like it is. Sometimes people get offended, but that's just what I do. Have you used a piece of your personality as a crutch? Man, don't do that. Know yourself so that God can use you more. So how do I give and receive tough love? Know thyself. Here's your next one. Consider the source. Consider the source. And this is a little bit more when it comes to receiving tough love. How do I receive tough love? Well, consider the source. Man, a lot of times it's not a lot of times it's not what somebody says to you. It's kind of who said it, right? So much of the time it's not what is said, it's who says it. For those of us who are married or you have a significant other, uh, a relationship, boyfriend or girlfriend or something, hopefully when that person speaks to you, that has a little bit more weight, right? When my wife speaks to me, she says, "Matt, I notice you always do this. Man, I notice this pattern in your life. It usually has a little bit more weight." And so consider the source. Is this person trying to uh, help me grow right now? Or are they maybe just making it about themselves? Hey, they just just always got to say something to somebody and it has nothing to do with me. Consider the source. I had a professor in college. I believe I shared this last year. I had a professor in college in a preaching class. And he told me, Matt, you know, uh, I don't know why, why you went this way in your sermon. I don't know why you talked about this. You, you, need, you can't be doing that if you're going to be going into ministry as a pastor. And I remember I was really actually offended by it. I was like, what does this guy know? He, he, uh, how about you say something nice to me? You know, I, I preached a great sermon, actually. But I realized, wait, I needed to consider the source. This was somebody that I wanted to be like. I wanted to emulate this person. He was a role model for me. And I was like, wait a minute. If he's criticizing me right now, he's giving me tough love. It's, I, I need to consider the source. He's trying to make me better. This isn't about him. It's about me. And so consider the source. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Man, when we rub shoulders, when we're in relationships, sometimes there will be friction. Sometimes a little sparks may fly as we're sharpening each other. That's okay if you can consider the source. Hey, this person loves me and they care about me. You know, and and it does go the other way. Maybe sometimes somebody will criticize you. Maybe somebody will say something spiritual to you. Hey, I had a dream and God told me this. And and you know, if if you know you're considering the source, maybe you don't need to take it too too close to heart if if that's not with the relationship there. So consider the source when it comes to receiving tough love. So how do I give and receive tough love? 
you know, know thyself, consider the source. And here's the next one. Choose your battles. Choose your battles. Jesus says this in John 16, 12. He's teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And he says, I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. I have more I want to tell you, but you can't handle it right now. So I'll let the Holy Spirit do that. That's what Jesus says. You, we need to remember to keep ourselves in check. Sometimes we may notice a blind spot in someone else's life. And maybe we are the person to speak to them. But that person may not quite be ready to hear what we have to say. And so we need to choose our battles, check our motives. Sometimes we want to say something to someone just to get it off our chest. You know what? I noticed this and I feel like it's there and I just it's weighing on me. I got to say something. I got to say something. But you notice now I've made it all about me. It's about getting it off my chest. It's about me now. It's not about helping that other person grow. You may be the person to say it. You may have noticed something that needs to be said, but they may not be ready to hear it right now. Maybe you're right. They shouldn't be in that relationship. They shouldn't have that girlfriend. They shouldn't have that boyfriend. But if you say something right now, they're not going to hear what you have to say. You may need to love them a little bit longer first. You may need to pray for them a little bit more first. Sometimes we need to choose our battles. That's what Jesus says. I have more I want to say to you, but you're not quite ready just yet. So how do I give and receive tough love? Man, that's, uh, that's how I know sometimes how to give tough love. I need to choose my battles. In fact, even a little more side note about this, Proverbs 26, there's a verse that says, don't answer a fool according to its fo- uh, his folly or you'll be like him. Then the next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly, uh, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. Do answer a fool according to his folly. Which one do you do? Do you answer him or do you not answer him? The point is to use wisdom. Choose your battles. If you're dealing with somebody who's foolish and they're not going to be able to listen right now, you know what? I'm not going to try to reason with that person. I'm just, it's not going to make any sense. But if I notice somebody's making foolish decisions in their life, maybe it makes sense. Let me step in right now so I can help them understand the life decisions they're making. I have to choose my battles, know when it makes sense. I've got to check my motives. And so how do I give and receive tough love? Know thyself. Know your tendency. Consider the source when somebody speaks tough love to me. Choose your battles. And here's the last one. Catch people doing right. Catch people doing right. Now, honestly, I heard this in a sermon. I actually loved it. I loved this idea, and I wanted to share it with you. Catch people doing right. They reference something called the Lazada ratio. Maybe you've heard of it. They almost refer to it as the magic number in human psychology, that for every one criticism we receive, we need three compliments. Like, it's just how we work, how our brains are wired. I need three compliments before one criticism. It's kind of funny that that's how we work. And so... Man, when it comes to me giving tough love or even receiving tough love, if I criticize someone before I compliment them, they may not really hear what I have to say. And how much of the time do we catch people doing wrong, right? Oh, I saw a mess up. I saw they, they posted a swear word on Facebook, Pastor. I saw it. Wait, I saw that alcohol in the background in that picture, Pastor. Man, I don't know, but they, I don't know if they should be leading the life group right now. You know, we're so good and we're so quick at catching people doing wrong. How about we catch people doing right? How about we brag about people behind their back when they're not in the room? 
How about we talk positively about them? How about we compliment them to their face? How about we talk like that to one another? Again, our society, it's so easy to shine a light as a Christian right now because our society doesn't live this way. Our society doesn't know how to do this anymore. So how about we catch people doing right? How do I give and receive tough love? Catch people doing right. Proverbs 25, 11, it says, says this. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Right words at the right time can be a game changer when it comes to relationships. We're better together. And Matt, I'm not sure where you're at. I'm looking for you. But if you can come and give us a little music, uh, that'd be great as we begin to wrap up here. We said that we're better together. And I love uh, the, all the sermons from this series that we've been talking through, but community isn't found, it's formed. It's intentional. It's something that I work at. And small groups are a place to grow. Tough love is needed for me to overcome blind spots. Blind spots in my life, things that I may not know or see in my life right now. I need tough love. I need people to give grace and truth to me, but also blind spot in someone else's life that I can give some tough love. And we said tough love is grace giving plus truth telling. It's the right combination of both of those things. Jesus was full of grace and full of truth, and we need both of those. And so how do I give and receive tough love? Well, know thyself, know your tendency. Am I more of a grace giver, a truth teller? Don't use your personality as a crutch. Know which one you got to work on. But also consider the source. When somebody's giving me tough love, hey, does this person care about me? Are they trying to make me better right now? Maybe I should listen to what they have to say. Choose your battles. Choose your battles. You know, you are the person sometimes, you may be that person who spots the blind spot, but you need to pick the right time to speak up or maybe you need to pray or love them a little bit longer before you say something. And lastly, catch people doing right, man. Don't catch people doing wrong. But we do that naturally. How about you catch some people doing right and so we can encourage each other to be better together. So here's what I want to do as we begin to close. I'm going to invite all of our small group leaders, if you guys can come up to the front and you can line in front of the stage here, line up in front of the stage. And as our small group leaders are making their way out of their car or wherever onto the stage, uh, give it up for them. I'm so glad that they're here stepping up. I'm so proud of them for leading in a new type of way. Yeah, awesome. Thank you guys. You can line up in front of the stage here as uh, I see you guys making your way. I want to say that I'm, uh, again, I'm proud of these guys. I feel like I've really gotten to to know them. I believe in God's timing, you know, um, that I started here a little over a year ago when we talked about small groups and COVID happened and stuff, but we've done some small group training. And then with COVID, we were doing Zoom groups. And I really feel like I've gotten to know some of these people very well. And we've done life together and in that sense. And uh, I'm really excited for you and your cars to get to know some of these people more. Some of them maybe you know very well already, but I'm excited for you to share life with some of these people because I know that they love God and they love you guys and they're ready to serve and do life together. And so what I want to do is I want to pray for our groups. There are so many different ones available right now. Again, we're kind of doing something a little bit different for our church, but uh, we've got some groups that are meeting in person. We've got a group on Sunday mornings called Fresh Start that you can be part of. Maybe that's not too hard to adjust your schedule. 
Uh, we also have our Wednesday night group, of course. Uh, there's a few other groups meeting in person, even a walking life group. Hey, you want to get some exercise, meet at the reservoir. But we've got some Zoom groups as well. So if that's easier for your schedule, easier to commit to, or even with your health, uh, considering COVID, you want to be over Zoom, we've got a few Zoom groups because we know we're better together. We don't want you to miss out. Even if maybe you can't make it to all of them, man, I would encourage you to still be part of a group because we can't do life alone. We learn in rows, but we grow in circles. We're better together. And so I want to pray for all of our life group leaders, and then I'll dismiss these guys to go to their tables. But what I want to invite you to do, if you're in your car right now, if you're comfortable, I want to invite you right now to, uh, to stand outside of your car and extend a hand with me towards our life group leaders. If, if you're, you know, because of health, you want to stay in your vehicle, you can. But if you're comfortable, I would ask you to stand outside of your car real fast and extend a hand so you can agree with me in prayer as we lift up our leaders before the Lord and ask God to be with us in community. Lord God, I thank you for today. Thank you for a beautiful day, Lord, that we get to gather together and talk about being in community, Lord, because we're better together. And I thank you for all of the leaders who are up here, up front right uh, right now, God. I thank you for their willingness to step up and to lead, Lord God, in a little bit of a different way at our church. And right now, I pray that you would strengthen them, Holy Spirit, God. I pray against the enemy who may want to come against them when it comes to confidence or conflicts in their group, Lord God. I pray instead for your spirit of unity and your spirit of peace, Lord God, and that you would strengthen them and equip them to help people to take next steps and to grow in their walk with you, Lord God. I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have, God, to be in Christian community, to be together, Lord God, because you can help us, Lord, to overcome our blind spots. We're so thankful, God, for this day. We ask for all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, Life Group leaders, you guys can make your way over there to, there's some tables. We've got signs for our different life groups. And all of you who are uh, standing or inside of your cars, man, we want it to be kind of like a job fair. Come on over, talk to some leaders, see what types of groups are available. Oh, hey, are you doing Zoom? Are you in person? Do you have a book study that you're doing? Whatever. See what's still available. But we invite you to get out of your vehicles and come. And, uh, and we'll hold off about 10 minutes before we break down to allow for that. And when you're finished, you're able to leave. We'll have offering buckets on either end as you uh, head out today. And the last thing I'd say is this, is if, uh, again, you're not comfortable, go to freeholdag.com slash lifegroups, and you can sign up right on your phone. You can sign up right now if uh, that's easier for you. But we encourage you to make your way over to some tables today. We love you guys. We're better together.